Does anyone else feel like the energy is a bit different in church today? I was, I was going to say I don't know what it is, but I do. <laughs> um, I think the war in Ukraine is like sharpening our senses a bit. And I just feel it's a huge privilege to be able to come here and worship together today. Um, a privilege not afforded to our sisters and brothers in Ukraine. So um, yeah, we've been hearing about kingdoms, about kings, um, our wonderful worship music this morning, the children. It's just it's a lot of energy in the room today. So praise God. Okay, picture the scene. We've gone for coffee after the service and a child comes up to you, uh, one of our church family. They're about between four and seven. And they say, what's the kingdom of God? You're the lucky adult they've chosen to ask that question to. So what do you say? Do you think you can answer them? Because they're not going to go away. You're going to have to give some kind of answer because children are curious like that. Can you describe the kingdom of God? Where is it? Is it real? Is it beyond our imagining, a kind of a bit like heaven? Is it different from heaven? Has it ever been seen? Will it ever be seen in our time? How do we describe it? Well, I reckon if by the end of this sermon, we can all describe it to a child, then we do know what the kingdom of heaven is. So let's give that a go. What we're going to do is we're going to wander through the Gospel of Luke and we're going to pick out Jesus' teachings on this subject. We're going to gather up a load of clues and interpret them and figure out what the kingdom of God is. So you might want your Bibles open if you want to follow along. We are starting with Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 17. Jesus says, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? He goes on, The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became like a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again he asks, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. I mean, obviously, we're not going to say that to one of the children and think we've got off the hook. Uh, they're probably going to want more from us than that. They'll have a few follow-up questions, no doubt. So let's think it through. So the kingdom of God is like a really small seed, which when planted grows into a massive tree. And Jesus said it's like yeast, which as we all know, is a microscopic fungus consisting of single oval cells that reproduce by budding. What do we make of these first clues? Hands planting, fingers in the soil, watering, nurturing, hands covered in flour, kneading dough, stretching and forming and laying out to rise expanding and getting bigger, exponential growth, but human involvement from the start, and a sense that what grows affects not just itself, but what's around it. The seed becomes a tree in which birds perch in its branches. The yeast works into the other ingredients and it makes food. The kingdom of God affects the existing world around it. Now let's turn to Luke chapter 13, verses 29 to 30. 
Jesus says, People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. I like this clue because it's about feasts and I really like food. So the kingdom of God draws in and welcomes people from the whole earth. It's about hospitality and diversity, one open table for all. When we look around, we'll see people already tucking in to eat who we'd never have imagined be there. But those who we'd expect, they haven't arrived yet. For the next clue, let's turn to Luke 14. And we meet Jesus at a Pharisee's house having dinner. It's a Sabbath. He's healed someone again, got into trouble again, but he's not taking it lying down. Jesus doesn't like what he sees and he criticises the host in his own home. Then he criticises a load of the host's friends. Frustrated at what he sees, he tries to teach them about the kingdom of God with its back-to-front countercultural rules, which seem to challenge everything these people seem to know. He again reaches for the feast analogy. In Luke chapter 14, verses 16 to 24, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a great banquet where loads of people with formal invitations, they just don't bother showing up. But instead, the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind... They're the ones who will be gathered and welcomed. And then, because there's so much space, people from all over the place, even those who didn't know that a banquet was happening, they're going to be gathered and welcomed in until the whole house is full. Love that. But, Jesus warns, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Over the coming chapters, Jesus goes all over, teaching and preaching his radical messages, his parables and stories of prayer and justice, a lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son. He teaches about being honest with money and being fair. He heals people with leprosy and he talks about when the kingdom of God will come. And then midway through chapter 18, we find my favourite clue about the kingdom of God. People are bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But his disciples are shouting at them to get back. People are pressing in close to be near Jesus. Jesus gets really, really cross. In fact, the word used is indignant. He's furious that people are blocking the way of the children. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Big clue here, folks. I think we might have seen a bit of this this morning. If we want to receive it and enter into it, we must be like these little children. What do you think he means by that? Well, look at those kids' faces. Do you know what I see? I see awe and wonder, open hands, ready to receive, expectant, 
wide imaginations. Because that's kids, isn't it? Dreaming big dreams. The kind we used to dream before the weary realities of adult life rubbed some of our shine away. We've got to get that shine back. I think that's how we're going to enter the kingdom of God, with, with boundless dreams for a better world. Just a few verses later, we've got another clue. Luke 18, verses 18 to 25. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this is one of those things that Jesus says that has us shuffling uncomfortably in our seats. But I don't think we can easily dodge the meaning here. I think Jesus is saying, if we accumulate too much wealth, if we live too comfortably, we find it harder and harder to focus on truly following him in taking part in the serious business of building God's kingdom. If we're not careful, our stuff, our things, our wealth, hobbies, cars, homes, golf, books, bikes, whatever it is, they become our identity. They become the thing we cling to for reassurance when the going gets tough. But Jesus says, no, leave it. Cling to me. Put your hope in me. Find your identity in me. In the kingdom of God, there's no room for an excess of individual worldly wealth. Instead, everything is shared, invested in love, invested and used for kingdom building. Before I go on, let's review our clues so far. The kingdom of God is expansive and growing. There's going to be a test, so do pay attention to this bit. <laughs> I, I didn't write the test. <laughs> Expansive and growing, it requires us to join in. It requires us to get our hands in the soil, into the dough. It welcomes people from the whole earth. And while everyone's welcome to the great banquet, plenty will choose to not show up. Instead, those who are usually missed out, those who don't usually get invited anywhere, they'll be welcomed. The invitation will go out to everyone, even those who didn't know a banquet was being held. We're to receive the kingdom of God like these little children because their boundless imaginations can imagine the possibilities and beauty of a topsy-turvy world where the first will be last and the last will be first. There aren't many rich people there. The only ones who made it are those who were able to share their assets. The rest found it too difficult to let go. Those who do share will find themselves in a place where there's enough food to go around for everyone, where the weak are supported by the strong, because there's fairness and true comradeship, where no one goes hungry. This is the kingdom of God. And there's one more clue that we missed. It's probably the most important one, so we're going to go back a chapter to Luke 17, verse 21. The kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is in your midst, Jesus says. And this verse could be translated as the kingdom of God is within you. 
Isn't that fantastic? The more I think about Jesus' words, the more I see that far from being beyond our imagining, some future, inaccessible, intangible hope or ideal, the kingdom of God is already here, being built daily. And to understand that, to get into the habit of observing it and to actually start joining in, all we need is in here. From the beginning to the end of Luke's gospel, he describes this upside-down kingdom in every parable and interaction, every time Jesus gets mad at people, at the hypocrites, which he does a lot, and with every unexpected healing, every time society's outcasts are exalted and religious laws are broken, Jesus is teaching us what really matters. All the way from chapter one, with his mother Mary, so full of joy she can't stop herself from singing, the beautiful manifesto which we call the Magnificat. She sang about the kingdom of God when pregnant with a Christ child. As Reverend Gemma Baisley recently put it, with Christ inside her, she was able to see the world as it could be, as it really should be, where the hungry are filled, the proud are brought down low, and the humble take their place, the rich are sent away empty, and the poor are provided for. I wonder how often she sang that song as Jesus grew. I wonder if she sang it at bath time, at bedtime, while he was a baby, a boy, a teenager. Did she sing it to him when he was an adult, as she knelt at the foot of his cross. 30 years or so after his mother started singing this deeply countercultural song, these building blocks of the kingdom of God, we hear them again from Jesus' own lips in the Sermon on the Mount, which we call the Beatitudes. Let's just sit with those for a moment. Which ones stick out to you today? The Magnificat, the Beatitudes, this picture Jesus paints of what God's kingdom should look like on earth, the way God intended us to live. And on the next slide, do you see God's kingdom here? What do we do? when we see that rulers more powerful than us are trying to build their own kingdoms and enforce their own will. What of God's kingdom then? Do we really believe, any of us here, that we have the power to do it, to be kingdom builders when we turn on the news and see the devastation and misery and horrors of war? How on earth do we defeat that? How do we make a difference? Get up, Jesus said to the dead girl in Luke 8, 54. And she did, because of her father's faith. Get up and go, Jesus said to the man with leprosy in Luke chapter 17, verse 19. Your faith has made you well. 
Jesus says to us today, get up, pick up a shovel, get your hands in the soil, into the flower, roll up your sleeves and get dirt under your fingernails because there's work to be done and I am with you. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. The kingdom of God is in our midst. It's within each of us. Get up. That's how we protest against the violence of war, injustice and tyranny. One brick at a time, one gesture at a time. Now many people here are already kingdom builders. They already have hard hats and high-vis vests and have been taking part in this work in different ways for many years. Befriending the lonely, feeding the poor, providing shelter for the downtrodden. In our midst, the kingdom is being built at All Saints, but it takes all of us without exception. In our own ways, we are explicitly called to be part of this movement that sees the kingdom of God in our time, to take stock of our lives and think, how does my heart need to change? What could I give back? What could I share? Who could I invite? Who could I bless today? And this isn't something we can afford to just think about. Jesus calls us to action. Get up, he says. In Luke's gospel, he talks about what it will be like when the Son of Man will return. Without mincing his words, Jesus warns us about the day the King returns to his kingdom. What will he find? Will he find us sleeping? Will he find us making excuses about the things we were just about to do? The better lives we were just about to lead? The apologies we were just about to make? The differences we were just about to settle? And the people we were just about to forgive? We know what happens when we snooze. Not just what's happening in Ukraine, but we've had another recent lesson, haven't we? The pandemic taught us just how quickly our lives can be turned upside down. Overnight, we were confined to our homes. Schools closed. Church buildings closed. Laws against meeting up with others. The plans to do stuff we'd been meaning to get round to utterly halted in their tracks. It was quite a wake-up call, wouldn't you agree? Do you remember those early months? Do you remember all that reflecting and adjusting that we did? Do you remember how we re-evaluated our lives and woke up as if from a dream and remembered what was important? Time, love, friendships, family, physical contact, being with each other. We remembered to love nature again. We helped our neighbours. In fact, whole streets mobilised to support the, the vulnerable. We said hello to people as we passed them on the street. Even southerners were doing this. We walked more. Sorry, my husband's a southerner. He always says hello. <laughs> Is it possible that we saw a glimpse of the kingdom of God in our time? On quite a large scale, wouldn't you agree? And our children saw it too. But is it also possible that some of us are sleepwalking back into our old ways where we no longer notice the lonely and vulnerable so much? I have no idea when our king will return, but I pray to God it won't be until I've got my house in order. I pray I will first use my hands to plant trees and bake bread. I pray I will first thirst and hunger for righteousness 
and do something about it. I pray I will learn to be merciful and pure in heart, to forgive and say sorry more. I pray I will give away what I don't need. And I pray to God I will dream big dreams for this upside-down kingdom and receive it like a child. Friends, the kingdom of God is within us. It's in our midst. Jesus invites us to join in with building it, not because we have to work hard to be loved by God, not because we have to pay a price for the gift of our forgiveness, absolutely not. All that's sorted. We're already living in the light of God's grace. No, we're invited by the architect to join his existing builders because it's how we should be living. It's what peace on earth looks like. No more wars. No more children knowing hunger. No more domestic abuse, refugees, people dying lonely. No more racism or misogyny. God's kingdom, we can tell the children of our church family, is a feast of love and joy and compassion. A beautiful reality in our midst. And it's within each of them too. When I think about this incredible radical movement for this peaceable kingdom and of the God who conceived of it and invites us into it, I think, wow, we need to tell people about this. We need to tell people about this Jesus guy. We need to say, come and be part of this extraordinary movement and see not just your own life, but the world around you being changed. Be the yeast and see how you make bread. So who's with me? Are you ready to get up and build? Look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye shall see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty Amen.